Did someone put the kettle on? Because I can see tea coming. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Amatistic. And this week we have a really exciting episode for you that both me and Momo cannot wait to record. It's a kind of a New Year special. Everyone is, you know, doing all sorts of cool uh, things with their content for 2019 or the beginning of 2019. And we wanted to kind of do a fandom recap of the last year we've been on the air now for like over a year like just over a year and uh we thought we would recap what's been going on in the merlin fandom in terms of how we relate to it and fests and how we've observed things in the last year and then we're doing a q a which we've already asked you guys to send us questions and we have lots of stuff to go through and we're both really excited to uh do something a little different so yeah yeah. (laughs) um yeah so i'm sure momo has admin for you now so (laughs) when whenever do i not have something to report at this point in time and (laughs) (laughs) and with that we'll go to news The King's Chambers, an exclusive top author slash bottom Merlin Mirtha group, is organizing a fandom week with daily prompts. The event starts Sunday, February the 17th, and ends on the 24th. All types of fanworks are welcome as long as you stick to the theme of the group and the prompts. Merlin Reverse Big Bang is asking all artists to please check in with their progress. If you signed up for the challenge as an artist, you should have received an email from the mods. If you signed up but didn't receive an email, do get in touch with the mods right away. Finally, Verdant Moth is running a Poetics Fest on Pillowfort. All you need to do to participate is connect your Merlin fanwork with poetry in some way. No sign-ups required, just create your thing and submit it on Pillowfort, LifeJournal or the AO3 collection. And that has been it for news. back to rocks yay (laughs) um i was waiting for it um so so the first thing on our to-do list today is that we are going to be going through a lot of talkbacks and the reason for this is that we have gotten a lot feedback uh i think momo will agree with me that we've been overwhelmed by your guys's feedback and we love reading uh reading it and reacting to it the only problem is is that as you might have noticed our episodes are slowly becoming longer and longer which we're completely happy with and you guys don't seem to have a problem with it either but the problem is is that with the amount of feedback we're getting, we're just not getting around to answering it as quickly as we would like. And we're becoming a bit overwhelmed with the backlog that we have. So um, and uh, what we will say is because of the fact that we are just uh, so much kind of backed up with comments and we have been for quite a few months, we've made a decision that um, for those of you that would like your comments to be reacted to in the talkbacks, we would really 
like kindly and pleasantly ask you to leave your comments in the episode post on our website, uh, which the majority of you already do do that. Um, but A, it just makes it a lot easier for us to track who is commenting and it makes it a lot easier for us to just track one platform. But also it just kind of, um, you know, limits the amount of comments that we'll probably be getting. And if you still want to react to our episodes on Discord and on Tumblr and all the other places that we've been telling you that we accept feedback, you can still do that and we will still react to you but probably just privately. So in the sense that we'll uh, respond to your Tumblr post, we'll respond to your Discord message in the channels, uh, we'll respond to your tweet, but we won't actually talk about it on the episode on the podcast because uh, we're just concerned about the runtime and we're concerned about not getting to the comments uh, quickly enough. We have a couple of Tumblr posts uh, left to react to, uh, which will be in uh, in the episode that you're going to be listening to in two weeks. And then from then on, it will be website comments only. Uh, we think that's going to work pretty well, and we hope you guys are happy with that. And, uh, yeah, we are just so excited that, like, you guys have been commenting so much that we actually even have to, like, narrow down yeah, <laughs> where you're going like, to. Like, we are... Like, oh, at least I am truly astonished and honored that so many of you listen to the podcast and want to interact with us. And please don't stop, by all means. Yeah. Please don't stop. Uh, we still get excited about all the comments we receive, whether they're on Tumblr, in tags, or on reblogs, or if it's just excited yelling on Discord. And it, it literally it all it all makes us go ee! With with yeah. excitement, uh, but yeah, we just we cannot commit to reacting to every comment left on every single platform anymore. There's just too many. <laughs> yeah, it's just it it's amazing. It's it's great that it's so many. <laughs> if you want us to discuss your comment on the podcast, please leave it on our website. And if you don't want us to discuss your comment or don't care either way, leave it wherever the hell you like. Honestly, yeah. Basically, nice and simple, or we hope that's nice and simple. <laughs> I mean, uh, if not, you can always come and talk to us and ask us, wait, what did you mean? What yeah. should I do? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, you know, with without further ado, uh, let's catch up on some comments. So these are going to be uh, from all different platforms. We're just kind of now filtering out all of the ones that we want to react to before we implement the new rules. So, yes. Um, yes, yeah, so let's let's get started. Uh, so the first talkback that we have is from ArchD. Hi, Diane. Hi, Diane. <laughs> um, and uh, this was left on our review episode of The Moment of Truth. And as usual, we have lots of awesome things from Diane, and I think it's mostly me reacting to this. So um, she says, oh, so I basically mentioned how the fog in the scene where Merlin is like, out in the woods with the sword just looked really fake and like a smoke machine <laughs> and diane says fog does do that where i live sorry so the fog moving like that made sense to me um i just thought that it was because of like i don't know i feel like i've driven and like walked through like pretty thick fog and it it like hangs there it doesn't like move about like it's a smoke machine <laughs> like so if fog does that where you live wow because that looks creepy as hell <laughs> it really <laughs> looks scary but um yeah that just always looked really fake to me but um i mean hey maybe that's real what do i know 
Um, she then says, uh, I was still excited that Siddig was on Merlin. His character was pretty cheesy, but I didn't care. It was Dr. Bashir. And I've just put here, I can't stand Kanan. I think he's a laughable villain and he just makes me feel nothing but cringe. <laughs> and it gets worse. And Dragon! <laughs> oh, I'll be back in you. one week, farmer. <laughs> And no, it's the, the one. It's, necklace. it's just, oh god. It's still the one where where he's like, we only kept what we need to survive. <laughs> survive. <laughs> but yeah, the oh. pen dragon. It's like, when did you find out his name? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Momo in the actual episode, like, whenever, whenever I want to laugh or just like have a giggle I, I i go back and listen to our episode of the moment of truth because just li- listening to momo say he's a fanboy he has like the collector's packet of like Arthur dragon trading cards yes he does how else would he know his name he's never met him before <laughs> that's what i mean i feel like there was a deleted scene where he must have like I don't know, but it just feels like, why have you got beef with this guy? You've never, like, this is what I'm saying about this episode. Like, it, it's just so dumb in a way because it's like, Kanan's beef is with the village. Why does he care about Arthur? Like, I, I just don't know. It's like we needed to get him killed, so we set Arthur on him. But Arthur didn't really care about Kanan either. Um, Arthur is like, like imagine like a meme of just like Kanan in the background yelling Pendragon, and then Arthur in the foreground rolling his eyes, and like over his face you have like. Uh, the words Merlin fandom based. <laughs> just like nobody cares about. If, if we're doing like our social media, like <laughs> AU, it would be Kanan shitposting like in capital letters on Tumblr about Arthur, but because he's not using the right tags, Arthur doesn't see it. And so he just doesn't care. <laughs> And then one day he like actually like sends him an ask is like pen dragon and he's like who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who you are. Oh god. Um. So Diane goes on to say Romans used oil in their lamps, so they might have had oil available since that technology wouldn't have disappeared. Plus, alcohol is pretty darn flammable, and I'm sure they had lots of that. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's fair enough. That's in response to me going, what the fuck did they? pour on the ground to make it catch fire that quickly because what catches fire so quickly other than oil and yeah alcohol I suppose that's that's fair but I mean you know if Kanan's men already raided the village a couple of times don't you think they would have taken their their alcohol if they had yeah. alcohol in, in the tiny village of Yeldor and maybe also their oil because I don't know, feels like oil would be valuable stuff because it does keep the light on at night. Maybe, but maybe it's just one of those things that we we think was valuable, but actually it was just kind of like everyone had it. I don't know. I actually, I I would have to do some research, but that's something I kind of want to know now. So. Well, <laughs> um, you can tell us later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then uh, she finishes her comment with, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love the dynamics of all the characters. And uh, I think I liked this episode when it, like I first got into fandom. Yeah, because of the character stuff. But I think like as time goes on, I just I'm a, like, yeah, 
I enjoy like making fun of the episode and I enjoy watching it with the commentary more than I enjoy sitting down to watch the episode because I just find it a bit frustrating um, with all of the things like the silly villain and like Arthur's speeches. Honestly, (laughs) I think like I don't I don't want to stereotype or anything, but I think that one of the reasons why many people in fandom like this episode so much is because it's basically the murder fest like i feel like that's that's the reason why people enjoy watching this because oh arthur goes after merlin to save him and to make sure that merlin comes back to to camelot with him and then you know everything everything else that happens that goes on between merlin and arthur and their dynamic and so on i feel like that's the reason why so many people like this episode which is fair enough i mean everyone is allowed to like things for their own reasons or no reason at all i'm just i just think that that's possibly one of the reasons why people like this episode i get bored during it quite a lot now but i think it is because i've watched it so many times i think now that i just can't i can't watch it anymore i mean one one bonus feature of uh moment of truth is jealous ex-boyfriend will which is sort of of fun to watch and um, obviously my favorite character Kanan (laughs) this is news to me (laughs) is Kanan your favorite character (laughs) he is now because he's so ridiculous and just sometimes you gotta just embrace the strange stuff and tell yourself you love it So you won't have to bang your head against the wall. <laughs> like I said, I think I love making fun of it. And I and I really do love watching it with the commentary. And I do it on a regular basis. But I think without the commentary and having to actually listen to the dialogue itself, I don't think I could do it anymore. Um, but yeah, obviously, the, the dynamics are really great. And it's like the first and kind of the only time we see all four of them like in the same place. So yeah, that, you know, that. That's great, but um, yeah, that kind of took a tangent on a bit of a review there. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, oh, that's fine. The next uh, comment that we have is from Moss, uh, who left us a comment on Discord about our Arthur character episode, and they said, "Listened to the Arthur episode yesterday. Great introspection. I love how you made an overview of all the series." Um, and we're really happy to hear that because that's kind of what we try and do with our character stuff: is we want to give like an idea of you know where they've gone on a journey and kind of more of a umbrella view of things and then the episode reviews or where like or at least where I try and like go into the nitty-gritty of like oh this meta why are you laughing because yeah because it's true you go into the meta and I just go Arthur pretty <laughs> well one of us has to be serious <laughs> It's not usually you, though. I just, that, yeah, I'm, like, not serious in anything apart from, like, my character (laughs) analysis meta. I I like to get, you know, I like to get deep. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, uh, Yeah, all in all, we're glad you like the structure of the character analysis. It's kind of what we're going for. So thank you, Moss. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do. the next comment that we have uh, was sent to us by email, which I think this is the first email that we received. 
it's, it? it's uh yeah it's one of the very first emails uh we received like i think it's like the longest email we've received yeah but anyway we received an email from i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly july lily and uh they reacted to our bradley james episode and gave us some general feedback as well and uh yeah we're just we're just gonna break it down so this is gonna be a longer talk back <laughs> my name is july lily i'm from canada and i've been listening to your podcast since last april i really love it your thoughts and comments on the merlin show are always insightful and clever sometimes your criticisms make me cringe but it's okay you are right most of the time i'm always excited when a new episode is about to go get online I hope you will not stop before reviewing the last episode of Merlin, because unlike you, my favorite seasons are four and five. And yeah, we promise we'll do our best to keep going until the very end. It's just gonna take a while to actually get there. Yeah, like we have like a five year plan and one is already like what the the first year is gone. Like, how did that happen? (laughs) It's just... Uh, but yeah, like we have like a schedule and we're going to, I mean, as far as I'm aware, we're going to, we're going to stick to it. And I'm, yeah, I was um, saying to Momo like the other week, how I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do once, once we're done. Cause I love doing this podcast. So yeah, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, we are, we are like uh, trudging on to the bitter end <laughs> with the diamond of the day. So yeah. Um, the, like with the, uh, I found it interesting that you said, that you know first of all the comments make me cringe and that's kind of really cool because I've I don't know if we set out with that goal in mind Momo like when we first because when we first like thought of this podcast I think it was more we were just sort of like we have a lot of thoughts and we want to like put these thoughts down did we ever really have any intention of being like controversial or is that just kind of we we don't have any intention of being controversial we we just are like that's just yeah like i um we didn't make a conscious decision to be like okay and we're gonna voice all the unpopular opinions because (laughs) definitely not it's just that you know as two critically thinking women in you know the 2010s the late 2010s with you know where we are rather enlightened and uh know a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff every day it's just that you can't like we physically can't not be critical about this thing that we love and i mean we've said this many times it doesn't mean that we don't love it it's just that we also are aware of its flaws and we don't see any uh, any reason not to point out these flaws. Exactly. And um, yeah, I never, but I feel like um, I'm really proud of the fact that we've kind of become this like platform where we can just kind of like say whatever the fuck we want. And yeah. I think that, Although we don't say everything, um, I think that we say most things. And I think that's important because we'll get on to this later. But I think it's important just to be able to voice whatever you want to voice. And as long as you're respectful, which I feel like we are, <laughs> you know, but, you know, for 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 me to say, I don't like this thing that someone did on the show. I don't like this thing that someone did on the show. That should be fine. And I'm interested that, you know, it's kind of that that is like sort of now what 
what some people are saying that like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that or you've made me think about this differently. And that makes me so excited. It oh, really, yeah. really does. Oh, yeah, it, it truly does. Yeah. And I'm and I think we're lucky because we usually have the same opinion about things. So I think or or if we don't, it's it's not so different that like we can't have a conversation about it. So I think that if I say something to my mom, like, oh, this really pisses me off more often than not, I feel like you're like, no, that also pisses me off. So it's not like one of us doesn't have any unpopular opinions and the other one has all the unpopular opinions i feel like we're pretty unpopular opinions like you know on the whole which is really really good yeah so yeah july lily goes on my encounter with merlin is totally different from your own experience which explains perhaps why i don't like the same things in the show than you i didn't watch it in my teens i've watched the series for the first time last february and i am about 40 years old I was researching Arthurian legends for my work. I am a French literature teacher at college and was planning to teach Chrétien de Troyes Away in the Night with the Lion. I've already watched Camelot, the show with Ava Green and Jamie Campbell Bower, which I must admit I really liked, unlike most of Merlin fans. I remember that Merlin had been broadcasted on the telly in French. I live in Montreal in a French-speaking province. But I wasn't interested to watch it because I perceived it to be too childish. That is why I prefer seasons four and five. They feel more grown up to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> we we know how I feel about seasons four and five. <laughs> um, it's just that I think I wouldn't have minded things being grown up if that's how they started out. And I just feel like it, it frustrates me when tone changes so significantly and I just don't think it was as interesting. And I think I kind of like we kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit when we talked like we we briefly mentioned in our Colin Morgan episode about Katie and how she doesn't necessarily carry like things very well on her own, like because she's not the most accomplished actress out of the cast that we have. And in the latter seasons, she had a lot to do. And I feel like her performance was quite one note by the end to be quite honest once she you know turned into a villain and an antagonist and I think that with the amount of screen time she was given it just made me a little bit tired and the fact that her reasons for being an antagonist were so unrealistic to me that they just bored me and I became less interested in the overarching plot which funnily enough you know, you would think, oh, Roxanne, you're always going on about how things are so episodic. Well, seasons four and five had more of an overarching narrative. Yeah, but the narrative was boring. <laughs> so it's like I then became more interested in like by the end. And this is like, you know, we're going to talk about this. But by the end, all I cared about was Martha because like the actual plot didn't interest me anymore. Mm. And even though there wasn't much overarching plot in the earlier seasons, whatever was happening, I feel like was quite fun. Like, it was interesting, you know, and by this point, I was just like, all right, it's just reset, reset, reset. But um, I can completely understand, like, if you're coming from a point of view where you're expecting something a bit more grown up and then you kind of watch the first few seasons, it, they probably will feel a bit juvenile. Um, And I completely appreciate that. But I also think because I watched the show when I when I was a lot younger, first of all, I was 17 when I first started watching it. And when it was still like 
TV hadn't really had its golden age yet. So that kind of material was like acceptable to air to the public, <laughs> just like really bad TV. Um, but I kind of loved it. And, uh, which is why, like, I love going back and watching season two because I was like, ah, oh, remember, <laughs> it was just so, so charming. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any, any thoughts on, on the on the kind of you know maturity stuff momo not really no no well i'm sure we'll get to it when we get to seasons four and five but that'll be years away so yeah. okay next july lily said well in february 2018 i started binge watching marlin on netflix i watched the whole series in three weeks i liked it so much i couldn't understand at first what got me so hooked on the show my main interest in the story is the love story but i wasn't interested in arthur and gwen's relationship what was so powerful in Arthur and Merlin's bantering that trumped, for me, the canon Arthurian love story? Now, I laugh at myself for being so oblivious to the real love story of the show, but I didn't understand it until I have done some research on the net and discovered that people were discussing homoerotic undercurrents in Merlin. That was what I had been sensitive to on a subconscious level, but never realized by myself. Me, the teacher who was supposed to be a good analyst of texts, narrative structures, themes, etc. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, for me, uh, this is the best thing I've read all year. It just shows a lot about how we aren't necessarily understanding or seeing subtext unless we're aware of what it is or we have personal ties to it. However, it will still influence us even if we don't recognize it as, as subtext. It will influence our feelings and our expectations and... That's why, for example, queer coding or any kind of subtle negative associations put into place by the media are so dangerous because we subconsciously pick up on them, but we're not even aware what the media is doing. Yeah, exactly. But I do feel like sometimes it does depend because obviously, you know, uh, July Lily is, you know, was much older when she got into Merlin, where, like I said, I was 17. And to be honest with you, as I've mentioned many times before on this podcast, uh, had had never shipped a slash pairing before, wasn't even aware that that was a thing that you shipped things that weren't in canon. And so I do think that, like, for me, I'm not actually sure that I picked up on any kind of subtext. And I started shipping all the het stuff, like we know, like Merlin and Gwen and Armour and stuff like that. And it wasn't until it was actually kind of brought to my attention through looking for fanfic that the wheels started turning. And then I could sort of start seeing things but it still took a while so I think that partly you do need to be a bit socially conscious maybe to kind of pick up on stuff like this because um but maybe there is something to be said for you know subconsciously me being interested in Merlin Arthur's relationship just in general like even platonically because it was so strong and then later on picking up on like oh there's actually like a lot of romantic undercurrents here but would you say that that's true that maybe you you kind of need to like if you're not aware of these things that you maybe need to be introduced to them first yes i mean um there is like uh, as you were saying this i realized that there is a there's a difference between you know reading into homoerotic subtext or, or seeing, understanding homoerotic subtext that is there versus um, deliberate, uh, for example, like I said, queer coding, because queer coding is not the same as queer baiting. Queer coding no. is if, for example, um, Jafar from Disney's Aladdin, the, yeah. the 
the animated version <laughs> he is queer coded like we has he has eye makeup he is dressed in like purples like you know of uh, I, I shudder saying it like female colors um yeah. and like yeah like i said he has the the eye makeup and the way he behaves is very creepy and and all of that and that he is a queer coded character the like if you see him and on a subconscious level you are influenced to to see a queer person in Jafar and also because he's evil you're also supposed to then feel that queer people are not good people so that's that's what queer coding is for example and I and I think that is something that whether you know about this or not um you would be influenced yeah, by that absolutely. however subtly and then i mean it might not do anything on its own but the more instances of it there are and the more characters you see that are like that the more the stereotype gets perpetuated and then if you see something in real life that sort yep. of corroborates this the stereotype that has built up subconsciously in your mind it just that's when it like a sleeper agent basically wakes up and fucks you over so exactly so and that's... actually like in the example you gave most of the disney villains male disney villains are queer coded yeah so uh, that's Scar like from the lion king also I Scar feel like... and yeah and hades and yeah. captain hook and oh, yeah. uh professor oh my god i can never remember how to pronounce his name but from princess and the frog um and yeah and then there's in in for example in tangle mother gothel is very jewish coded for example that's that's another thing that's happening where like characters are jewish coded to make you and and then it's just that's a whole other level of anti-semitism that's just awful (laughs) so um but yeah these are things that are being i think you're right and i i mean it was not a concept i I knew about, but it still would have influenced me in some way before I realized that that is what's going on, just because of how many examples there are, not just in Disney movies, obviously, in all kinds of movies, um, and it just uh, there are many different uh, examples of this, and it's just, it piles up, and it will influence you whether you are aware of, of the concept or not, like, once you're aware of the concept, it will stop working on you, hopefully, because then you know what the what the people behind the scenes are doing, for example. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely not the same as understanding homoerotic subtext between two characters. And I'm sorry for conflating the two because it's not actually the same thing. I was just like about this whole how you know subtext. And subtle clues can mm-hmm. influence our thinking without us even realizing that that's what's happening. That's just really interesting to me, and how it yeah. even and how it even manages to pass by people who are actually trained in critical analytical thinking, such as July Lily themselves. So, I just yeah. found it really interesting. Okay, um, going on with their email. I'm sorry for this little detour on how I got interested in the show. Listen, we're sorry for the little detour we took with your comments, so uh, don't even worry about it. I'm not sorry. (laughs) Don't speak for me. (laughs) Chilai Lily says, 
I just wanted to say that I really appreciated your episode on Bradley James. I don't personally like to meet celebrities because I find it too awkward, but I like to ponder about celebrity in a sociological way. You made interesting comments on how the fans should behave themselves when they meet their idol. I can't believe people shouted during some of Colin Morgan's theater performances. That is so rude. If I was ever to meet one of the cast, I would like to know how they shoot a scene, why they decided to play that scene that way, but I don't feel authorized to invade their private life. Yeah, I think that, I mean, this is just a whole tangent we could go off on, but let's not. But I think most sane people would know that that kind of invasive thing is just not acceptable. Um, I think it's interesting, like what uh, what they've said about the um, uh, being like uh, kind of feeling awkward about meeting celebrities because I find I'm a very outgoing person and I'm very uh, like I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot of the time about things I'm excited about and so for example I work in a restaurant uh and I can't imagine like some people would like think oh it'll be my dream come true for my fave to walk in no if they because I wouldn't be able to work like I would have to leave like I couldn't like serve like someone that I like adore and admire like who's famous because I just would be falling over myself but in terms of like cons and things I've always had this problem where I'm always scared that I'll be like too much for celebrities like they'll find me a bit weird because I'm like so hyperactive and I'm like really excited to be there but also because a lot of the time these are kind of like once in a lifetime experiences or like you know a few times in a lifetime so from my so so from my point of view I'm always like I want to make sure that I remember this for the rest of my life so I want to make sure that I ask the right question or I say the right thing so that I get the most out of this experience and also so you know they feel comfortable too but like make sure that I you know let them know how much I appreciate them you know in the best way possible and just make sure I can really remember this for a long time to come because who knows when I'll get this chance again so that's why I get stressed out whereas um I don't really feel awkward about meeting them I just feel awkward about like coming off too strong (laughs) not in a creepy way just in like a that's the kind of person I am sort of way (laughs) and just I mean I'm sure everyone that's listened to this podcast probably like has noticed I'm I'm a lot (laughs) I'm just very extra about everything so do you you? do you ever feel that no yeah I know right (laughs) um do you ever feel that Momo like what like like with meeting famous people that you just kind of yeah like so what's your kind of reaction like when you meet your fave I mean I've never really met my fave, so yeah, I, well, fave, I mean, I okay. have like I think the most famous people I have met were David Tennant at the movie premiere, um, Cecil Baldwin at a Welcome to Night Vale performance in Berlin, and John Finnemore at a Cabin Pressure convention, and I mean, all the three of them were great. I loved meeting all three of them, and. I don't know. I was just, I don't know. I just talked to them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, it probably would be different. Like, these were all places where I expected to see them. So it it wasn't a surprise. I don't know what it would be like to just uh, run into them at the shop or have them show up where I work or meet them in the street and have them ask me for directions. I don't know. Um, 
that that would probably be their friend. Um, it's not that I never think about what it would be like if I met so and so by accident somewhere, but I mean, I never, I don't know how I would actually react, but I would like to think that you know, a I wouldn't be a creep about it, and b I managed to, you know, not make a complete idiot of myself. But no guarantee yeah. on that one. <laughs> I don't. I, I honestly, I can't. I can't say. I mean, I like, like I said, I like to think that I'd be, you know, um, at least mostly collected and not be. Oh, I forgot. I also met Mark Gatiss, but again, someone I expected to meet because I waited for him at the stage door after a play he was in. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think I would be a super nervous blubbering mess and I wouldn't be too embarrassed to talk to them. I just, I don't know how suave I would actually manage to be. I, yeah. pre- I In my mind, I pretend I'd be super cool and then they'd fall in love with me, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> that's probably not what reality would be like. Um. Okay. There you go, next part. I was curious to rewatch episode 513 after Miss Snowfox's comment on Bradley's performance in the magic reveal scene. I've always felt that Bradley's acting was off in that scene. I couldn't understand what he was supposed to feel. Miss Snowfox's comment about how Arthur is afraid was a kind of reveal for myself. Watching Bradley and telling myself there was fear in his face, it worked. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy that you that you feel that because like I can't imagine all these years like that scene and then thinking that feels off like that would be awful. So I'm so I'm so glad that that kind of gave you a bit of insight and yeah I hope that you know it's as heartbreaking for you as it was for me when I realized you were scared of Merlin. Just pain, epic pain. Oh yeah, that's what we like. That's why we like Merlin because we like pain. Okay, um, next part of July Lily's email. We did tell you it was a long one. We are ecstatic still. I must admit that I am much more a Colin fan than a Bradley fan, so I probably watch more closely Colin's facial expressions than Bradley's. This podcast episode made me realize how much Bradley is good in Merlin. I never doubted he was a good actor in general because he is completely awesome in Damien, even if I didn't like the show. My favorite Merlin scenes with Bradley is when Arthur let show his anger, like when he fights with Uther in Sins of the Father, or his confrontation with Gwen in Lancelot du Lac. I like big, angsty scenes. And I personally just love how everyone loves Bradley and Damien, but agrees that the show wasn't well executed. <laughs> this, is, this has become another one of Merlin's theme. <laughs> Praise Bradley and Damien, but admit that Damien actually is a bad show. <laughs> Just like Merlin. Yeah, just like Merlin. Bradley, please stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> and and like the bad shows always get the most fans. He's like, oh, I wonder why people won't just leave me alone. <laughs> it's like because you keep choosing fandom fodder shows. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he has now been in Medici. And just like I predicted in the Bradley James episode last October... Medici is now one of my new favorite performances of Bradley, not because he is extremely pretty, at least not just because he is extremely pretty on that show, but also because he is so good and the entire show is actually really good. So, yeah, thank you, Medici, production company, cast, everyone involved with this thing for 
getting Bradley on something that is actually excellent. Okay, uh, we're nearing the end of Julia Lily's email. I would like to wreck a fanfic on AO3 that deals with the fans' theme. It's a Brolin fanfic, Exposure by Gate Promise. It shows Bradley having difficulties dealing with fans' attention after a bad experience while Colin is cool and friendly. Both are playing in a play about two gay lovers. What I also really appreciate in that story is all the tidbits about rehearsals, directing and theatre lifestyle. It's a fanfic, so it doesn't reflect reality, but it explores how a celebrity might feel. And because it's a story from Bradley's POV, we get to experience it from the inside, so to speak. Sometimes I feel that fans who misbehave never stop to think what it might be for the other person. So I hope that a fanfic like Exposure can spark a reflection on the respect that must imbue our encounters with celebs. And I need to read that fic. It sounds amazing. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Yeah, I really want to read that fic too. It's a good thing I don't mind RPF, isn't it? <laughs> on other we'll get into that. <laughs> the fandom recap is coming up. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> All right. And to close out the email from Julia Lily, cheers for your good work. And I am looking forward to listening to your next episode. I hope you will update your Melissa episode schedule. Yes. Thank you for your email. Rox and I screamed at each other a bit when we read it. We're still sort of screaming at each other for the length of it and that someone would take so much time to email us and, and be so thoughtful and insightful. It was amazing. And we're looking forward to hearing from you more often and I promise to update the schedule. Although I think it currently is almost up to date. I think I updated it uh, by the end of the year just to make it as current as possible at the time. So it should be it should be online now and updated. We have another short comment from Amphigori on Discord um, about our, also our Bradley episode. Amph said, great episode. One thing I'd add is, oh man, when Lowell was written off the show, the iZombie fandom lost their shit. He was an instant hit in that show. That chemistry. Rob Thomas has gone on record saying it was a big mistake. And I agree so hard because writing Loa out of the show was a big mistake. It made me stop watching for one thing. Like, he was the only reason I started watching to begin with. <laughs> and then they wrote him out of the show and like, why? Why would you do this? <laughs> but I also heard, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember where it was, but I heard somewhere that they're trying to bring him back for an episode as a sort of flashback for, for the main character. So if that happens... That's an episode I'll be watching. Um, so the next comment we have is about Gwen Slot, so I'm really happy. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> from Diane. It's from Diane um, uh, for for our for our last on Gwen shipping episode, um, and she had a lot of really 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 cool things to say. So Diane has written, I would very much disagree with Momo. Their chemistry is off the charts. Um, and by the way, guys, I have split this comment up a little bit because um, Diane goes on to talk about all of the instances where she feels like Gwen Slot have a lot of chemistry. But if you want to read all of those bits, you can go and check her comment on the website because it is very, very long. <laughs> and then um, she writes, she's watching him closely the whole time. Plus, when Merlin asks Gwen to choose between Lance and Arthur, she gets all flustered. If she wasn't interested, she'd have just rolled her eyes. And when Lance rides away, she's looking at him as if she is so unhappy that he's leaving. I very much see a crush in this episode. Um, and like, I mean, I've already talked about this, but I, I completely 
saw a crush in this episode and obviously myself and my might disagree about this but that's okay um i just feel like for me i i looked at her and i could like so see like the way i would behave if i like had a crush on someone she's just like in my opinion um and the only uh thing that i didn't really like about the whole thing like in the episode was when you know she has that whole bit where where she's like oh he's not really my type and when like merlin asks her to choose and i felt like it if they always cons- wanted them to be like a mid game i just felt that like that kind of wink wink nudge nudge moment just didn't really work for me i thought it was a bit like uh okay like if you're not actually going to get them together by the end why are you like yeah i don't know it was sort of like with the thing you know they had her say like oh who'd want to marry arthur which actually ends up working because she actually does end up marrying arthur whereas she actually never has to choose between Lancelot and Arthur. Like that's never a thing that happens in the show. So I just feel like that was a bit stupid, but oh well. Um, She goes on to say, and after the poison chalice, I don't really remember Gwen crushing on Merlin anymore. It was almost as if she knew her Merlin crush wasn't going anywhere in Lancelot. Merlin ignoring her in the banquet scene, for example. And she lets her growing crush for Lance take over. Um, And I never really thought of it like that. Um, I mean, we, we do get that one moment in Excalibur where, you know, Merlin shows up to the door and she's sort of like, you know, oh, you know, hi, Merlin and everything. But I did actually write here in my notes that I feel like for me, kind of in in retrospect, it doesn't really it's not that disjointed because, for example, if you are crushing on someone and, you know, or you feel very, very intensely about someone and, and then they leave it's in my opinion a lot easier to get over someone if you're just like if they're not around and obviously back then there was no social media so it's not that either you know and where but whereas you know after he's gone Merlin's always around and Gwen's always hanging out with him so I feel like you know it there will be instances where the crush you know comes back simply because he's he's around and Lancelot isn't and by the point in Excalibur it's probably been several months since he's been gone so it's just sort of like I don't really find it that that unbelievable and it's only really kind of a little moment where she's like oh you know you you know I'd grant you anything and then she's like well well obviously not anything you know and after that I don't actually think we and I've and I've said this already I'm like that I I think that's the last like Merwin like romantic Merwin thing that we have between them and they are kind of then more platonic but I didn't feel it was like crazy disjointed but there you go um then she's put in Lancelot and Guinevere Lance leaves because he feels he's being noble and unworthy of Gwen's affection I can certainly see it that he's sacrificing his happiness for Gwen's I do agree that he should have told Gwen and let her make the decision but it makes sense in a way and I mean we've discussed this at length like it was really lazy writing it was really really stupid and you know it just please just don't keep doing that in Merlin. It's really annoying. Um and especially since they already like used that plot device once, like in Lancelot and then brought it back again for Lancelot and Guinevere. But I will say, even though it it frustrates us, like it completely made sense for his character in my opinion. Like he's got such, you know, deep rooted self esteem issues that I can completely believe that, you know, he thought he was doing her a favor by leaving. Like, I completely can see that that was what he was thinking. But we've already discussed this on the on the episode. So you can go listen to our thoughts on that there. Um, She then goes on to say, in Lancelot Dulac, I did wish Gwen wasn't enchanted and that she really was confused about whether to stay with Arthur or go with Lance. And yes, we all wish that was the case because it would have been a lot more interesting. Um, 
then she goes on to say, yes, that yes, they were in the castle for a year. But if you watch Lance, anytime he's in a scene with the knights and Gwen is around, he keeps looking at Gwen and then looking away. And Gwen is not looking at Lance and it seems deliberate. Um, and I've put in my notes that when I found out that Lancelot was going to be living in the castle like after the finale of season three I was just so excited because I was thinking to myself oh my god we're actually going to have the proper like Gwen Slot love triangle that I've been waiting for and like you know this was when I still thought maybe they would go with a Gwen Slot endgame and it was just really exciting for me the thought that they were going to be living in the same castle and Gwen was going to be torn and then that just never happened and a not only did that not happen later on, but we got a time jump. So we never even got to see any of those moments anyway, which just really upset me. But, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to season four. Um, Diane goes on to say, I really disliked Gwen during the Duraka episode where she guilt trips Lancelot into sacrifice. That wasn't nice and almost abusive, in my opinion. I hate that scene. <laughs> like, I like it, like, because they're both in it and it's heartbreaking to watch. But I... Oh, and I remember watching it with one of my friends years ago and when she's like look after him bring him home and my friend went to me he's a knight I'm pretty sure that's already his job why is she asking him like why is she going up to him to ask him to do what is already required of him why <laughs> it's just so dumb I really don't like it like I can only assume it was just to kind of remind the audience that hey like this is a thing and maybe just to make his death sadder, but it was just really stupid. I hate it. Um, and then she has finished with, by saying favorite scenes, her measuring Lance for his outfit, the wilderness scene where he tells her to live for him. And we got to see the filming location. And all I have to say for that is that we, when we were in Pierfond and I, we were in the filming location, like for where they have their first kiss. And no one told me that that was where we were. And they didn't tell me until after we left oh my god I am so mad about this <laughs> like because I would have like demanded some like something to like some kind of documentation for this and it just it and it and it never happened and I was really upset but um yeah so thank you Diane for your in-depth uh comments on Gwen Slot. um I know that you love them as much as I do so we always like to talk about them but thank you for leaving them on here thank you so much so we have another short comment left on Discord by Carpidentum, and they said in response to our Uther and Guys episode, I'm slowly but surely catching up on episodes, and I just have to say that I love the character studies of Uther and Guys so much. I just finished it, and I can't put a finger on why it's one of my favorite episodes. It just is. And all I have to say is that probably everyone is a secret Uther fan, or a guy is an Uther shipper, and that's why you like it. Admit it. <laughs> Basically, and... I am a not so secret Uther stan and I literally love him. I don't, I'm not quite at the Uther guy shipping level yet, but I do appreciate the idea of them being in love when they were younger. So <laughs> there we go. Another thing Carpidentum said is, I also love how giggly you guys are. Don't think I've said that before. And we enjoy being giggly, so it's a good thing our listeners do too. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> okay, our next comment is from Lao Pendragon. And Lao said on in response to our uh, episode review of Labyrinth of Gedref, Hello! I really loved this episode. I couldn't stop giggling. You pointed out so many things I never realized. Signed a petition and get the little rat a name. Just a quick question. Is it okay to post comments, thoughts on older episodes? 
Yes. Yes. Of course you may comment on old episodes. It'll take us a while to react to them on a podcast, but we'll always want to hear all your thoughts. And not just Laos, everyone. This, this is not just, you know, uh, permission for Lao to comment on old episodes. This is for everyone. Please comment on old episodes if you want. We will love you. <laughs> and then Lao says... To this episode, what always makes me rip my hair off while watching this episode is Anhora waiting for Merlin in the labyrinth while holding a sword. For no reason! He just points with it at Merlin and uses a spell. Why a sword? Why not attacking Merlin with it properly? It could have magically knocked Merlin out or something like this. Anything would have been better than this. I don't understand it. Haha. <laughs> And I've just written in my notes, as good as parts of this episode are, there are some that are straight out of a Jim Carrey fever dream. That's basically <laughs> how I feel about a lot of episodes of Merlin. Moment of truth is now getting in there. <laughs> Since when did I start disliking this episode so much? I don't it's, know. I think it's like you said, you just watched it too many times. Too many. Yeah. Lau continues. Also, I think it's absolutely worth pointing out that Merlin reacts disapproving of Arthur proudly killing the unicorn, the same way Gaius disapproves Uther's joy about the horn as a gift. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious that the relationship between Uther and Gaius seems to be the same like Merlin's and Arthur's. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we've. I think we've pointed this out in the Uther and Gaius episode as well. It's just like Uther and Gaius are just the, the older version of Merlin and Arthur. It's yeah, yes. very apparent in this episode and many others. And then Lao says, And before I forget it, I will never not think of Merlin tying a favor to Arthur's arm, even though I say Momo is right and it's just a belt. Thank you for this lovely idea, Rox. Same goes for the idea that Merlin becomes Arthur's final test. Wow. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a favor and I love it. I don't care about reality. I'm in fandom. We don't care about what's real. Um, Marky, aka Über dem Nebelmeer, also left us a short comment on the Labyrinth of Gedref. And Marky said, Just finished listening to the 111 episode review. I always look forward to these because they offer a fresh perspective and make me pay attention to details I would have never noticed otherwise. I have nothing to add though to what's already been said, so just letting you know you never fail to make me smile and grin and all giddy. Ugh, I love this podcast so much. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> we, we love, love this it. kind of feedback because it's literally the best thing you could be telling us that, you know, it's just what we say makes you think about things in a new way. It's just that's just the best. Uh, so the next comment we have is from Diane again, and she commented on our Bradley James uh, actor episode, and uh, she starts out by saying, Katie is the best one to meet. Colin is more handsome in person. Bradley, less so in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't That's know what that made me blasphemy. That is blasphemy. I don't you wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> believe that that's amazing I, honestly I honestly even that. if that's true that's still super subjective and i still believe that bradley still would be the most handsome out of them for me to meet but <laughs> sorry yeah. it's just your 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 despair at what was just said it's brilliant and i would just put that uh, i can i can confirm colin is insanely handsome in person it's honestly difficult to talk to him he's very also, handsome 
Diane, it's been years since you've met Bradley, okay? Yeah, he's had plastic surgery know? since then, so he looks better, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> he's had some work done. <laughs> Sorry, my stirring up some <laughs> old feelings. No, I didn't mean to. Listen, I'm, I'm okay with the nose. I'm fine. Um... Diane goes on to say, Jacksonville, Florida houses are downright cheap, even for the U.S. Um, most places in Florida outside Miami, Fort Myers or Naples are cheaper, which is why people move to Florida even now. A Jacksonville article said that they moved because his dad got a job out there, which, uh, yeah, I, I kind of assumed that houses there were relatively cheap because a lot of uh, Brits do tend to move to Florida um, for a better lifestyle, um, which is 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 hilarious but there you go <laughs> um then uh she went on to talk about, about mark hamill because we mentioned him in association with kind of uh, fame and things like that she says yeah. mark hamill didn't have many roles after star wars he wasn't the pretty boy he'd been in the first star wars movie because of a really bad car accident he was pigeonholed as the star wars hero and had a hard time finding any other roles he did a couple of movies that didn't do well he did voice acting for a long time, mostly, and it was only more recently that he's been doing movies again. When he showed up on TV in the early days, it was always as Luke or Luke-like, which was a shame because he's a good actor. Um, and it's really sad that that happened to him. Um, I honestly feel like that doesn't really happen anymore, but that might just be me not looking in the right places because even if I look at someone like Chris Evans, who's big break was Captain America, although he'd done other stuff before then, he has carved out a very interesting and i probably would say successful career for himself during mcu and post mcu he's going to be just fine he's made his directorial debut and he's doing all sorts of interesting roles that people are watching and want to see him in that have nothing to do with steve rogers so i don't know if that is something that still happens now can you think of an example momo where that would still be an issue for for people i mean there's a there's a difference between what the actor or actress actually does with terms of their career and what the world at large will see. So, for example, Kristen Stewart has done many things, many things before, during, and since Twilight. And she was great in pretty much all of them. But people will still see her as Bella from Twilight. So, yeah, I feel like that is that is very subjective. Again, this is very subjective. So um, even if a, a an actor will have carved out a good career for themselves, a diverse career for themselves, it's not necessarily what people will see when they when they look at this actor like how many people actually know of other things that Chris Evans has done um, other than MCU and uh that movie in which he was naked um but i feel like what what diana's saying is that like mark hamill was only cast as luke-like things like he wasn't even given a yeah. chance whereas yeah. people like chris evans and kristen stewart like they are actually getting cast in things yeah. they want to be doing um that they probably like with colin after merlin were looking for different things to do um, yeah. outside of their respective franchises so I think that in terms of them getting the work I think they've been very successful whereas like Mark Hamill just wasn't getting 
good yeah. roles. But that's, yeah. But that's in that's in response to, you know, what we said about Bradley, how he wasn't really doing anything for a while after Merlin. Yeah. Because from what I know is that he too got offered a lot of roles that were a lot like Arthur and he just he didn't want to be another author like character. He wanted to be something else, someone new. And yeah, so I I mean, again, this was like six years ago. Seven years. Now that's 2019, but uh, closer to six. And and I don't know what it is like today, you know. But then again, I'm also not really, uh, really keeping up with these kind of of things at the moment. Like I wouldn't even. I'm I'm struggling to find anything to to compare it to because I just I don't know what people are doing. What people are newcomers in the business. Who are like doing uh, a movie franchise now or a, a surprise successful show right now? Who might be typecast as yeah as a character? Like I can't think of someone. That's because that's because I just can't think of someone. I don't keep up with this. Like I, yeah, I consume yeah. media through Netflix mostly these days. Mm. But um, so Diane goes on to say. I go to see the actors in other roles on stage and I will travel overseas to see them. I do talk about their current roles when I try and get their autograph. Rupert is particularly good in musicals, by the way. Also, I go to a lot of plays in NYC and you will get fans that only go to see the actors for their single role on TV or movies and not for the play. Nose issue. It could have been he had problems with his sinuses. He was getting colds a lot in Merlin and even in iZombie. His voice was very nasally. His teeth change was more for beauty. I like their imperfections. And we've discussed the nose quite a lot. But I, I mean, probably that could have been a, a reason. I uh, uh, probably at some point will we'll have to take a trip to, to the doctors for very similar reasons because I get a lot of sinus issues. So I'm probably going to need a nose job one day. So I can, I can, I can, I can relate. Um, but That's something I, for you to talk about with Bradley if you ever meet him. Oh my God! Can you imagine <laughs> if I walked up to him like, "Hey, what about your nose job?" <laughs> Nice nose job, buddy. Where'd you get it? <laughs> yeah, it could be like I have a problem with my sinuses. Can you recommend so? Can you recommend the doctor or? And, and he'd be like, uh, 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 what sinuses? What nose? I haven't got a nose. <laughs> oh, the poor man. Um. Then Diane goes on to say, my favorite scenes are always with him. Silly. I love those two, by the way. His comic timing is brilliant. Sweet Dreams is amazing. But I do agree with Rox about her first choice. I never expected Arthur to be afraid for Merlin and yeah i'm just yeah just sad <laughs> always sad and always tearful at that um favorite quote destiny and chicken and he sniffs under his arm yes diane that is a very good choice <laughs> very good choice indeed um the sniff under the arm is just i think that was ad-libbed actually i just think that's Probably. amazing yeah i think that was ad-libbed. i can't see bradley ad-libbing that <laughs> oh god we have another short comment from Amphigory on Discord regarding our Canon Fix episode. And Amph said, I'm still super early in the episode for Canon Fix, but you guys are all setting guidelines about defining canon. Maybe you've all figured it out by the end, but it makes me think of film genre where you can have both. You have comedy, you have horror, you have comedy horror. Can we have compliance AUs? As I type this, the talking is getting heated, and now I'm like, I'm not sure I want to hit enter and inadvertently start shit on Discord. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, the official aired version is much shorter than the unofficial 
non-edited version and we still haven't agreed because we stopped arguing about it just because we don't actually want to kill each other (laughs) i think we could definitely use a mediator in this i think that in general we kind of agreed that we have sort of like a scale and we have canon uh compliant on one end and we have au on the other and things will fall on that spectrum so yeah yeah. like if you stick an arrow somewhere on the spectrum it will inevitably be kind of more to one side than another which is why sometimes fix kind of you don't quite know but i think where people choose to categorize but the thing is i think why why categorization matters is because of when you're like actually searching for fic and of course it doesn't matter like in the grand scheme of things in terms of like of course it doesn't matter like your story is what's important and not any kind of like label but it's more kind of to do with if i'm on ao3 and i'm looking for something and the tagging doesn't really add up i think that's where things can get a little bit frustrating because you're like oh i wouldn't have tagged that as that for example or i might not find a fic that i'm looking for there's a lot of fics on ao3 that aren't even um tagged as canon that are and like yeah that's because uh, yeah. i mean we we talked about this on the episode, I believe, because um, canon is the default for for Merlin fake. So anything that's right that's not tagged as either some like not tagged as some sort of AU is assumed to be at least set in canon era. That's how I understood. Like I mean, I I don't remember if I actually added the the canon tag to my one canon fake, but like. The assumption is that canon is the default and you don't tag for what's default. You right. tag for what's different from default. So right. Any, but yeah, it makes it hard to find anything because then you have to, rather than doing a positive search where you look for fate that is canon plus these other things that you want to read in a canon setting, you have to search for the things you want to read and then filter out all the AU settings you don't want to be reading. Yeah. So I guess my advice to the Merlin fandom at large is just tag your shit as canon of some kind if it's set in canon era because mm-hmm. it's going to get you more readers probably. Yeah, I but I love that like as, as they're typing that comment, they're just like, oh <laughs> shit, it's getting really bad. <laughs> yeah, I also want to say uh, this is just a, a general thank you again to Amphigoria because Amph is really great about leaving... Like like quoting their favorite uh, lines back to us. Like if we if we say something that Amph thinks is especially funny or interesting, they will just paste uh, the quote in Discord so we know where they're at with listening, and then we can just enjoy how much they're enjoying our episode. And it's just it's just the bestest thing, honestly, because it's like quoting your favorite parts back to fanfic authors or mentioning details to fan artists, and it's just I love it. So please, Amph. Keep doing it, and if everyone, anyone else wants to start doing it, please do so because it's just like I love it. That's that's my favorite part, honestly. One of my favorite parts for uh, about receiving comments is just knowing what what we said that made you laugh or that made you go, "Huh, interesting." You know. That's yeah, just... we love that, and uh, yeah, that's that's always great. Um, yeah. and I think this is our last talk back. Yeah, that's the next one is the last one. This is we told you guys it would be a long topic section today. Uh but yeah, this is the last one we're going to do 
for today. And it's all yours, Rox. Yeah, so this is uh, from uh, Lau, uh, who commented on our character episode of Arthur. And they've put, I never had a problem with the way Merlin and Arthur treated each other in the show. Calling names, for example, it's a funny kind of banter for me. I always felt like Arthur is picking on Merlin because he likes him. A lot of people show their affection like this. I don't need to say it's stupid and wrong, but still, some people do this. Arthur is this kind of guy and Merlin knows this, which is why he tends to smile when Arthur picks on him. And uh, I've actually like written stuff in my script here, so I'm just going to read straight from it because otherwise I'll just get muddled. So um, I've written, as in real life, nothing is black and white. Arthur has been a jerk in the beginning. That is not up for discussion. Otherwise, how can his character grow? I think that your point about Merlin knowing his character is key in this discussion. For example, I, me, Roxanne, (laughs) um, have friends who pick on me, quote unquote, all the time. It's fine. I have a self-deprecating sense of humor and I don't mind at all when they take the piss out of me and it's all in good faith. If it bothered me, that's another story. Banter is not the end of the world. The problem is that even though... There are times when we see Merlin going along with it. There are arguably more occasions where we see it makes him irritated, unhappy or just depressed. Now, part of this is Merlin also unable to express to Arthur how he feels, maybe because he knows Arthur won't listen, maybe for other reasons. But the point is, Arthur banters with Merlin so much that it puts Merlin in a place where he says things like, I'm not completely useless, you know, and that's a problem. So, yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I agree very much with this. And I, honestly, yeah, I just, I agree very much to this. I could give more examples of this, but uh, what's the point? Because we've probably already discussed this in the character episode. Yeah. It's just, yeah, this, this just says it all. I, yeah. This, this is honestly the biggest problem I have with their banter. Like, if it were just banter and if both of them enjoyed it and, and you know, it were on equal footing and they just kept throwing it back and forth that wouldn't be an issue but there is a power imbalance here and for whatever reason Merlin doesn't feel comfortable enough to call Arthur out when it actually does bother him to be picked on yeah and Arthur doesn't pick up on it because as we discussed Arthur has the emotional capacity of a teaspoon yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he's uh where other people's feelings are concerned he's even less observant than that and it's just that's where the issue really arises. It's just that um, there are occasions, probably more, where Merlin isn't comfortable with the teasing or where it makes him unhappy in some capacity and he doesn't feel like he can say anything about it to Arthur except on very rare occasions when there's when there are like the, the inequality between seems to shrink down a little bit or in in moments where Merlin gets to entirely turn on Arthur because Merlin then is disguised as Dragoon or Arthur isn't really himself because he has has had taken his will away by Merlin and now Arthur is just this sweet innocent person who just you know wants to be good in uh certain the stone so yeah that that's the part that bothers me the the inequality like the the in unequal footing of it all and how it's handled the, ba- the banter itself when they're both bantering that's awesome i'm not arguing that yeah i love it <laughs> um and kind of almost as if she knew that's what we were gonna say <laughs> lao <laughs> goes on to say 
On the other hand, there are moments when Arthur takes the banter a bit too far, mostly in the heat of the moment, and is not able to take it back. These are the moments not even Merlin can smile about anymore, and neither do I. Somehow the Arthur being a Pratt concept is coming back on us over and over again, which makes absolutely no sense considering he obviously became the fine king everyone hoped for. I'm not sure this was just lazy writing or the creators didn't have the guts to really create a character development. And no, Arthur telling Merlin, I never really meant any of that, doesn't make up for it. And again, I'm just going to read straight from what I wrote because like, it's probably more in-depth than what I'd come up with on the fly. Uh, I've put... The zigzagging with Arthur's abusive tendencies are one of my least favorite parts about the show. I have no issue with a character having abusive tendencies that they then grow out of, but somehow the writers decided that those would be part of who Arthur is. Now, on a psychological level, that does make sense, given the pressure of his upbringing, as well as Uther's anger management issues. My problem with this is that Arthur was painted as a character who would start off as a dickhead and then through Merlin's influence would become better and become the embodiment of the noble king we recognize. It takes them until season five to complete this journey, which for me is just too long. (laughs) Like, I don't need to be waiting five seasons for that. And like Lau said, it's just flip-flopping. And Bradley has gone on record saying that he was sick and tired of it too. So, yeah, lazy, lazy, lazy. Yeah, especially because Arthur learns many of these lessons in the first season and then has them taught to him again in season two. So for him to not, you know, be that person already by season three at the very latest it's just it just doesn't make sense yeah exactly it basically undermines everything the show like everything we're supposed to believe about modern author's dynamic like like you said rocks we're supposed to believe that merlin is the one who helps arthur become this great king we're also supposed to believe that gwen also plays a part in making arthur a better person and apparently both of them don't actually succeed in doing this until several years later by season five. Yeah, just lame, <laughs> lame, lame, lame. Uh, Lau then goes on to say, also interesting was the part about marriage. I'm not so much into history, but Rox, you said some things that made me really question myself. I always disliked Uther for being such a bad father when it came to this. I mean, the show portrays him like the evil king who wants to force Arthur into a marriage he doesn't want. The show seems to use these details to make Uther even more of a bad father. But thinking about it, he is absolutely not because Rox is right. I really hope I'm the only one who thought like this. And if not, I hope everyone else had this moment of awakening now. I'm sorry, Uther. You just did what was right. And this just warms my heart, <laughs> honestly. Um, I mean, I've said it many times. Guys, let, look, I know that those of you that agree with me are waiting for me to get to the really juicy stuff about the marriage plot lines, but we'll get there, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Season three is not that far away. <laughs> oh, Only I'm, like a year and a half. Probably. I'm revving up, guys. It's happening. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, And then her last comment is, I have a hypothetical question about neither Gwen nor Merlin would be a good choice for a marriage. And I would want to ask this from a non-Merthyr shipping point of view. Merlin can't bear Arthur a child, which is 
why this question is hypothetical. But if he would come out as the great emiris to Arthur and everyone, would he be a better would he be a better choice for marriage then? Considering the druids and magic users are loyal to him, would this marriage, in your opinion, have a positive effect on peace in the land? I would love to know what you think about this, of course, from a non-shipping point of view. And this is a really interesting question because you've got two sort of facets to this, in my opinion. Um in a real like in a realistic sort of setting, obviously um, there is no magic uh, the way that it, there is in Merlin and there's no war between magic users and uh, normal people. So, of course, uh, you want to be marrying in order to protect your political advantages. But I like your point here in the sense that, well, yeah, you know, if if he was just another sorcerer, maybe maybe it wouldn't uh, be so advantageous. But like you said, he is kind of like this messiah for for the druids um even though he doesn't really know it and this kind of person that they really look up to and want to protect by the end and i think that if the plot had gone differently and yeah he would have revealed this um you could go either way you could have arthur go for a marriage that would be kind of political in terms of protecting the kingdom like you know mythian which i think was still a really good choice for him or yeah I think from a non-shipping point of view, it would make complete sense if you were to go down the road of I'm protecting our kingdom in terms of making this alliance between people who have magic and people who don't have magic that will last forever, you know, because that is really, really vital. I mean, what sends a better message out to druids and people who are looking to kill you because they think you hate magic users than, hey, I don't hate them. I've married one. <laughs> so um, I think that. <laughs> That actually would be a really, really interesting idea and uh, a, just a completely different. And then, of course, you know, you think about all of the allies that you're gaining, you know, who can protect you, like from other kingdoms and stuff, you know, and your borders and your people. I think it would be a great move um, in that in that sense. But then, you know, by extension, even though she's not as important um in the magical society as Merlin, you know, like I said, that's why I also kind of like Arthur and Morgana because it's that kind of like, you know, if they weren't related, whatever. Yeah. Um, like, you know, she's of high birth, but she also has magic and she also would bridge those two worlds together. But I think that's a really, really interesting question. And yeah, that's why destiny brought them together in the first place. It was so they could bridge that gap. And yeah, of course marriage would, be the best way to do it so <laughs> I'm, i would think that that would make complete sense uh, what do you think momo i would also think that that would make complete sense yeah i mean there are a bunch of fics that explore this idea where merlin is you know basically a druid jesus and therefore considered of like equal standing or nearly equal standing as author and then merlin is specifically considered um, as Arthur's marriage prospect because of because of the alliance that it would that it would bring. Yeah. So. And that's all the talkbacks. That's all the talkbacks. Amazing. So yeah, if you if you want to leave us even more comments in the future, then let's tell us all the places where you can do this. And just a reminder, like we said, we'll be responding on air to comments on our website. And we will be responding on the corresponding platform if you leave them anywhere other than our website. So our website is melissa.paracaproductions.com 
or you can just type in Merlisten into Google, it should come up. You can find us on Tumblr as merlisten.tumblr.com where you can reblog and leave comments as a caption or in the tags. You can reply to the episode posts on, on Merlisten on Tumblr or you can send us asks or direct messages. You can tweet at us on Twitter at Merlisten and either comment your retweets, direct messages or tweet at us or reply to our tweets, you can email us at merlisten.podcast at gmail.com. You can uh, rate or comment on our podcast on iTunes that you should also find if you search for Merlisten in iTunes or just check our website where we'll have all these links. And finally, we have a Discord and you can get the invite on our Tumblr or our website or you can just... Uh, message either Rox or me and we can send it to you. Indeed. Yes. So, let's move on. <laughs> Finally, the, yes. to the main topic of this episode. <laughs> Which is the Merlin fandom in 2018. And this is just kind of going to be a bit chatty, a bit laid back. I think that's going to work pretty nicely for us, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, yeah. What, shall we, what should we start with? Should we start with what's been happening or what we've been doing i think we should start with what's been happening okay um yeah i think that's probably easiest like i mean the biggest the biggest thing that happened last year is obviously the 10 year anniversary of merlin yeah for which we had a meetup in pierrefonds for example there was a mini convention in London that I don't know if anyone I know went to it or if it even actually happened. I think it was only one day early September that this was going to happen. I don't know if it actually happened. Uh, um, oh, I don't know either. And then there was the organization of a printed fanthology, which is going to be... Uh, I think distributed sometime this year. It's a it's a big book with fan works like fix and art for the Merlin fandom, and that's gonna be that's been a huge project and it's going to be a huge project going forward. And it's going to be that was also sort of uh, an anniversary kind of thing that that was organized because of the the ten years of Merlin. So that that's for one thing. I mean, there were other. I I feel like there were other smaller things. Like there were many fanwork fests specifically targeted at the ten year anniversary. I know that the Arwen community did some stuff, and I'm sure the Mirtha community did some stuff, and other places did did things for the anniversary. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Merlin Memory Month specifically ran. Like the their main month was March, but then they also did a mini version of their memory month in September because of the anniversary. Mm -hmm. So all of these things happened because Marilyn turned ten years old. Yeah. Um and we've also had a a lot of fests which I have participated in none of, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Momo and probably knows more about them than I do, so she'll just reel them off for you right now. I have, I think I've participated in three of them, actually. Wow. Okay, so they're in, in 
spring 2018 real merlin posted their fix which i participated in and also organized so i know that happened then of course we had acbb in the summer the big bang the big big bang for merlin fandom porn a lot happened uh, but it was moved to october rather than happen in august like it did before then there was Winter Nights and Merlin Holidays, of course. These are annual fests that always happen, and it's nice to see that they haven't died yet. Then we saw the reverse, uh, sorry, we saw the return of Reverse Big Bang. It, there, it's going to be posted in spring 2019, but it started signups and creating in 2018. Uh, like I said already, the Merlin Memory Month ran in March and in September. There was, not many people I think realized this, but there was a small Merladies fest during Femslash February that my friend organized on Tumblr. There was the telephone art game and the telephone writing and art game that produced some fic and art. Um, some of which we recommended during our Percy, Percival and Alien episode, by the way. Then November saw a writer appreciation month where you are able to uh, show your appreciation for writers of all sorts of things, like new writers, not-so-popular writers, popular writers, all these kind of things, just to show your appreciation for fanfic writers in a modern fandom. Um, I don't remember when it was, but we did have the Bottom Author Fest this year. Uh, sorry, last year. But I'm sure we're going to have it this year again, in 2019, despite the Tumblr porn ban or whatever. Uh, there was a Merther Kiss Fest. I think it was a Merther Kiss Fest, not a Merlin Kiss Fest. I'm pretty sure it was Merther Kiss Fest. Uh, that was across many platforms. It was on. I saw it on Tumblr, but I also know that the person organizing it also posted about it on LifeJournal and possibly Dreamith. And I know that Def Definitely Mari Lewis and I think also Lao participated in it. There was also a, a sort of anniversary thing. Uh, I caught wind of it like as it was posting. I didn't know about it beforehand. I think it was also a, a Merlin or Merthyr anniversary thing with like daily prompts for like a week. I think I saw some fan art. For it by Lau and also by I think Mara Lewis so you can probably find more information about it if you go to their tumblers cool um, and then of course some ongoing things that aren't like season specific or that you can like you can just join in them anytime but they're still going on and it's nice to see that they're still going are uh, Camelot Drabble on Life Journal the kink meme I think the kink meme got revived in 2018 so that's another thing that happened. Um, there's an icon, like graphic icon challenge on LifeJournal. Uh, there's the uh, Merlin author newsletter. And there is the Merlin rewatch. Like, I think the Arwen community is doing a rewatch, but also there's a general Merlin rewatch, uh, which is frequented by a lot of Merthyr fans. So you have these things that have been going on. There's also 
Mari Lewis, who did a Merthyr fan art book called Medieval Husbands. From what I know, there are still some on sale. So you can go and check out Mary Lewis on Tumblr or Instagram to get more information on that. And also, of course, we had so much new content from Bradley and Colin for more gift sets and videos. Yeah. So what did we participate in in all this? We obviously, you know, we we made, we we did coin a lot. Yeah, just, we, I was about to just, say we organized the convention. Just like a little thing, you know, <laughs> that we did in this fandom this year. Just like a tiny thing, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing. I mean, we massive. also we also do this podcast, and we celebrated the first year anniversary of the podcast. That's that's true, which I still can't believe we've been doing, but like. I know that I keep saying it, but it doesn't feel like it's been over a year. I feel like we just started it. It's so crazy. It's just become like part of our routine. It's just so bizarre. Um, and we obviously went to Pierfond for the for the anniversary meetup, which um, oh, it was just so great, wasn't it? Just amazing. It oh, was. Yeah. Oh. It was. It was absolutely beautiful. I just. I have very fond good memories of those couple of days in France they were really great I I did some Merlin bounding I um, dressed as sort of a modern version of Merlin kind of like French inspired for the one day and then for the second day I did a 50s Gwen inspired look which was uh, inspired by her outfit that she has in season two and three which is the aqua uh, dress and the apron and the kind of uh, embroidered corset that goes on top and that was kind of inspired by that but yeah Momo did you did a cosplay as well didn't you you did uh, your femme Arthur uh, thing at Pierrefonds yeah I did canon femme Arthur in Pierrefonds um, on two days with different wigs just to see what it looked like and then I did other cosplay at Cunelot I did Sailor Arthur, like Sailor Moon Fusion Sailor Arthur at Coinalot with the group and And modern I, Arthur. I did modern male Arthur on the last day of the convention, which was out out of all of them my favorite cosplay on it, it ended up being so good. Like... He was like there was a very, very last minute cosplay because I didn't uh, I had accidentally brought my binder, which I thought I'd forgotten to bring it, but I had actually forgotten to unpack it once I had to unpack the rest of my male author cosplay stuff that I meant to bring. But my suitcase was so full, I couldn't bring all of it. I only could bring the two other cosplays, the two femme author cosplays. But I had still my binder in my suitcase, which I realized once I arrived in um, in Canterbury, basically. And then I got this idea of seeing if I could find clothes at Primark that I could wear for Arthur. And I ended up finding stuff that I could wear for male Arthur at uh, at Coinalot. And it just, it was so much fun. And honestly, the best part was probably Isaac giving me the advice over Discord that I should get uh, a pair of aviator shades because it would just complete the the sort of arrogant asshole author look and he was so right yeah they were <laughs> they were perfect and it's just honestly 
Modern male author on Sunday at Coinalot ended up being my favorite cosplay out of all the cosplays I've done in that on that holiday. It it was just so great and like I have this like really vivid memory because I wasn't I I feel like I didn't know what you were planning for the Sunday or maybe Oh yeah. Oh god I don't Or maybe yeah, maybe you told me or maybe you hadn't, I don't know. But I mean like... I told you that I was planning to put this together because you offered to help me find clothes at Primark. Yeah, but I didn't know if she was actually gonna go through with it. Um and yeah. I assumed that she was gonna do it when I did my modern Merlin, which was on the <laughs> Friday. Um and I was getting ready in my room and I don't know if I'd like already put my wig on or if I had like yeah, my wig cap no, on. Yeah, you had put your wig on. Had put my wig on. Oh yeah, because yeah. I called because you knocked on my door and I was like, I need help. Like it's yeah. tangled. Yeah. And I opened the door and Momo is like leant against the door frame with her like red t-shirt and like her sweater like over her shoulder like with her yeah. sunglasses on with her wig and I remember just being like that doesn't look like Momo <laughs> it was just so and I was like you look so good like you look exactly <laughs> like it yeah oh yeah I had to I had to borrow the wig uh from from Sarah because I I hadn't brought my wig and that was the only thing I was really missing was the uh the short blonde wig uh, but Sarah, uh, let me let me borrow hers because Sarah is awesome, <laughs> and that's also why I couldn't do it on Friday because Sarah was being author on Friday. Oh yes, of course. Um, it was just really really great, and like yeah. I think, and like, like I I think I even said, hey, how you doing? That was it, yeah. Because <laughs> I was, oh yeah. So the funny part, okay, I kind of the punchline got ruined because I'm an idiot. Um, because I was Queen Merlin, like I was in like yeah. a really nice dress and like long black hair and like very much a girl so it was just like so funny <laughs> and I remember being like like throughout the day I kept going up tomorrow and being like you you like look really like you look like real you look like you could be a guy <laughs> and she was like thanks I'm having a great time didn't you stuff a sock down your pants I did I did stuff a sock down my pants she was loving it she was Chris, like Chris was touching my sock yeah she was like running around being like I want one <laughs> it was so funny so yeah that's what we kind of got up to in terms of things we were kind of doing and things we were and traveling and stuff um yeah I I I was supposed to participate in reverse big bang and uh couldn't because I was meant to make fan vid and my hard drive shit itself <laughs> and it was uh, it still hasn't been fixed so I actually couldn't like participate in that all of like my episodes of Merlin were like fucked and I'm probably gonna have to download a lot of them again but yeah so I couldn't actually finish what I was making I hadn't like made a huge start to begin with so that was like at least okay but yeah um that sucked but I would have liked to do that but I don't really write much anymore um the people in this fandom have such like interesting ideas for fic that for me, like I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have anything really like any good ideas to contribute. <laughs> it's just so much. Yeah. I wrote a surprising amount of fic for someone who was sure that after Christmas last year or after posting real Merlin fic in, in spring, I thought I was done writing Merlin fic for a while. And then I r ended up churning out like 24 K for bottom Arthur in like two weeks <laughs> <laughs> which was a whole new experience for me yeah and then I I meant to publish something for Christmas 
again this year, but I didn't finish it because I started it too late or well, I had a I had a whole month of not writing it in November, which is just bad planning when you actually mean to publish this for the holidays. And <laughs> so I tried to rush it and then realized that it was actually crap. So I'm rewriting it now and I'm maybe publishing it sometime later this year. But yeah, that's it's been a a year of not writing much Merlin for me personally, but that's okay because I wrote a lot of Merlin fake in 2017 for example. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a lot of it. Yeah, I haven't done much vidding. Like I said, I just kind of, I think I need to, like, well, firstly, it's just because I find vidding very exhausting where my laptop is just not really that fast these days. So it, it is a very exhausting experience. But I did make a vid for Coin a lot, which I had to show a low res version of because, like I said, I couldn't render the full version that were like, it was finished, but like I couldn't render. Um, the the proper version I thought like a genius <laughs> to uh, render a low res version just to show someone like a friend of mine and then that was the only version I ended up having because my hard drive broke before I could render it for coin a lot but yeah I think that was I'd have to go back and check but I feel like that was the one of the only things I vidded in 2018 which is so bad like I remember when I used to vid all the time but you know you just kind of things kind of shift as you get older but um like I mean you also have a day job now yeah, but I feel like I was, yeah, I mean, I guess I was at uni, so it's not really the same thing. And I was vidding a lot when I was in high, yeah, no, I was, I feel like the most I was vidding was when I was like, in my last year of high school, and then like uni, which, you know, you would think, you know, is quite a lot. But I would like vid in the evenings. But I think, you know, it's sort of, you know, it sounds really dumb. But when I was younger, I didn't really have friends. Like I had friends online. So I would just come home from whatever I was doing and then spend my evenings vidding. Whereas now I kind of have a life. So it's like, <laughs> which is great for me. Not so great for my content <laughs> because it takes a lot of work to vid guys. Like it's really like the, the more I vid, the more I want to impress myself. So I kind of tend to do things that are more difficult, much longer projects. Like I'll be like, Oh, I'll cut this song. And I'm like, nah, just use the whole thing. So yeah, I need to like that is definitely something I really want to carry on doing in 2019 because it I love doing it. And like, even though I don't get as much feedback as I used to, it's still something I really, really love. And um, I like I still get so much uh, so many comments on the video I made for Coin a lot two years ago, um, which is really nice, even though it makes people cry. But I really, really <laughs> that's I the appeal, though. I enjoy it. Um, Yeah. Uh, apart from that, I feel like, you know, in terms of being in the fandom this year, I. I'm just a lot more active, not like necessarily, as we've said, like creating, but I feel like I'm just talking to more people. Like it feels to me like it did when I first got into the fandom, because even though I'm not talking to people on MSN anymore, <laughs> um, I'm talking to people like on WhatsApp oh, and God. stuff. MSN, that takes me back. Yeah, exactly. That's how oh, I was talking God. to Merlin fans back in the day. And we were all off of YouTube. I didn't really like, so we would get to know each other through that and um yeah just it takes me back to actually having like a community of people that you kind of talk to and you know by name and obviously going to coin a lot the first time around really helped with that because but I did I still like I spoke to Momo obviously I spoke to Momo and 
and but no not really anyone else like I didn't really talk to anyone else from Coinalot the first time round and then throughout like doing Coinalot 2 it just kind of like I was talking to more people but then once we actually did Coinalot 2 the latter half of the year I really was talking to and now I'm like you know I know everyone like by name and who they look like and everything and uh it's really really nice and yeah it just really reminds me of what it was like before and I had years where I just wasn't talking to people in the Merlin fandom and all I was doing was vidding and posting, but not really interacting. So this has been such a nice change for me. And I'm, and obviously the podcast helps because we get a lot of comments from people there, which is, oh, it's just really great. Um, so yeah, I'm a lot more active, like interacting than I was. Yeah. Discord and also helps. Discord helps, but I feel like Discord sometimes is one of those things where it's just a bit much for me. Like I know some people by name, but not really many and like it sounds really bad but oftentimes the discussions that are happening in discord aren't really discussions i care about so i'm just kind of like i yeah yeah, like i like i'll i'll sometimes check it and jump in but um i'm not that active on discord i try my best like i kind of have the channels where i try and like you know talk to people about stuff but there are a lot of people now in the discord that i'm in so it kind of i don't i don't really know everyone and it's a little difficult i think on discord because you don't really like i don't know i feel like it's hard to gauge people's personalities unless you're in there a lot and you're interacting a lot like you know i know you know for example isaac you know like what he's like and i kind of know a couple other people who uh, who have actually been with us on the podcast and stuff but on the whole i wouldn't really say i I know much about the people that are in there, which, you know, is uh, is a shame. But, I mean, we have, like, our WhatsApp groups and stuff, which I love. Like, I love talking to people on there. And, you know, um, it's it's just really nice. Like, for example, I, I wished everyone a Happy New Year, like, uh, in the WhatsApp group that we have because, like, I actually talk to them a lot now. I'm pretty sure I was drunk. But, oh yeah, yeah I were. think, I, yeah. You were, you were very drunk. I actually wasn't that drunk. Well, um, you appeared very drunk. Yeah, so, yeah, just as as I said, for me, it feels like it did in the good old days of the Merlin fandom. And it's just really nice to see that it's still going. Like, it's really, really great. Um, I hope it continues to go at least for the for the lifespan of this podcast. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> um, and the 15th anniversary, that would be really nice to to see that through but um you haven't done as much stuff like content wise have you like i am writing a fake i just need to get back to it and but yeah i'm just um it's not that i'm it's not that i don't that i don't like marlin anymore it's just that i've been very active for three years in this fandom like, very active in this fandom. I think I've been the most active in this fandom that I've ever been in any other fandom. Like, I've I've never published this much fic for any fandom, ever. Not even when I was still writing German fic in, in the Harry Potter fandom. Like, I'm, I'm more active than I was then. And I was really active as a teenager in a Harry Potter fandom. But Merlin is a whole other level of activity for me. Like... I wrote so much. I organized or modded challenges. I organized a convention twice. 
<laughs> I mean, granted, first time I was mostly like minion helper to Trakion, and the second time I took on more responsibility, but I still I did it twice. Um, we started this podcast. Like, I I did a bunch of pot fake. I've been doing so much in this fandom, and it's all been great. Um, in in its own way. It's just that I've sort of reached a point where I'm just like, I really need to do something else because I'm super close to burning myself out on this fandom entirely, and I don't want that to happen. So, yeah, that's that's where where my development in this fandom over the last year has been, basically. 2018 has been the year where I'm like, I'm getting all the things done in Merlin fandom that I want to get done, and after I finished doing them... Oh yeah, I published a bunch of podfix last year as well. And after I finished doing those things, I can move on to other fandoms and still be part of Merlin fandom, just just at a much lower rate than I have been. Yeah, which is which is understandable. And like, you know, like I said, this kind of segues us into kind of like our feelings on the fandom. And I know that we've kind of like said that we want to kind of talk about these things. And, you know, like, I'm just going to put like, just put like a quick disclaimer here because like, you know, whatever we say, you know, it's, it's our, it's, it's from our personal experiences that we've kind of had in the fandom, not, you know, just now, but over the years. And I just feel like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, don't take any of it personally. You know, it's just kind of our opinion. But just as that, like the fact that I've even had to make that disclaimer for me is like one of the things that is starting to really frustrate me about this fandom. And I don't know if it's like this in every fandom. I do feel like I I do sense this like tension across like quite a few fandoms. And actually I think Merlin is probably not as bad as other fandoms for it, in my opinion. But I think that I'm starting to get a little bit irritated with the fact that, and I know that myself and Momo have had this conversation in private many a time, but that everything has to be perfectly nice and everyone has to agree on everything and no one is allowed to have an issue with anything. And that's why on this podcast, we really just are proud that we just say whatever the fuck we want. And we've had issues obviously before where people have been like, oh, I feel like you hate this character or you do this. And it's like, well, even if I hate this character or even if I hate your ship, I'm allowed. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to hate the things you love. It is not down to me to pander to you or yeah. to like what you like. This isn't also, your podcast. Also, even if I do hate the thing that you love, it doesn't mean that I hate you personally yeah, exactly. or everything else you stand for. It just means that for this specific character or ship, I think I couldn't give any fuck whatsoever or i give so many fucks because i hate them like exactly it just it's no reflection on my feelings for you as a person it's just a reflection of my feelings for this specific character or ship or narrative or whatever it is that i you know don't like <laughs> exactly and you know i feel like maybe people sometimes are so surprised by the things that we say on this podcast because we are so honest and you know me probably more than Momo <laughs> to some extent because I I have to, I feel like I have to be very careful with what I say exactly that's my point it's yeah. just really dumb and like you know 
Um, we have had a lot of issues to do with fans coming at us for various reasons, whether it's for this podcast or for other things that we've been involved with. And I just think that it's really, really time to just grow up. Like everyone in this fan. No, really, like everyone yeah. in this fan really needs to grow up. And there are some things that I see that make me feel like, oh, my God, am I 17 again? And this is how 17 year olds behave, because I have, for example, been in situations where um, discussions have been started and, you know, n the moment anything starts to get remotely um, and I don't want to use the word negative as a bad thing because I think negativity is just something that is a natural part of life like you don't have to like everything as soon as something negative gets brought into said discussion um, there's a huge issue about it and people are actively trying to discourage that from happening and being like no you can't talk about this you can't talk about that which I just think is absolutely outrageous like you know I think that fandom is a place that people think that it is there to be squeaky clean and good all the time. And I'm sorry, but I'm here to tell you guys that that is bullshit. This is real life and people are going to disagree. And unfortunately, it's not healthy to come into fandom and be like, this is going to be a space where everyone is nice to me. Everyone agrees with me and everyone is going to be my best friend because that's just not life. You can talk to people who agree with you and you can talk to people that like the same things you like. But if people don't like those things, they're allowed to be angry about it and they're allowed to say it. And that, unfortunately, is like not down to you to say that, well, this makes me feel bad. Therefore, it's bad. Therefore, it should never be said. Like, that's really fucked up, in my opinion. And I just I don't subscribe to that kind of thought. And it makes. Yeah. Like, you know, myself and Momo have sometimes like been recording my listen and been like, well, we shouldn't say that because, you know, X, Y and Z will come after us. And it's like, why? Like we spend a lot of our spare time doing this and it means a lot to us. And this is a TV show. What I will say is that every every fan, every specific community, like every like sub-community of a fandom like ex-shippers or people who love this specific character you know all of them are allowed to create spaces uh for them to talk about this thing and obviously the people who create the spaces get to set the rules for this space and if the rules for this set space are do not talk about topics abc and i want to be in that space anyway then i have to accept these rules i understand that and i respect that however things for me get difficult or aggravating uh, when i join a community like any sort of community, it could be a chat, it could be a Discord, it can be a live journal community, it can just be a circle of people on Tumblr that are, are mutuals now. Whatever community it is, you know, if I join that and there are no specific rules that tell me not to talk about one thing or another thing, and I end up talking about this one thing, and then at some point I get told through several channels, not even from the person who was actually taking issue with it, but like from 
a third person who didn't have anything to do with this conversation in the first place, hey, you shouldn't be talking about this, it bums people out, then that's a problem for me. Because there were no rules that told me I couldn't do this. I have done, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it specific because why not. Um, it's, I used to be in a, in a Merlin chat. Um, and I, I was so happy to have found other Merlin fans because this was relative, when I was relatively new in the Merlin fandom, uh, like back in the Merlin fandom, like, uh, two and a half years ago when it was. So I was really happy to have found these people, this, this Merlin chat, because I was like, great, these are all the Merlin fans, I can talk Merlin about them, I'm really excited about this show right now, I want to talk about all the stuff. So, and I had just started a Merlin rewatch at the time. So I came into this chat occasionally, I was like, ah, oh, I just watched this, and then, uh, and I brought up things that I observed, like where I was being critical of the show. And... I did this a couple of times, and it wasn't just me who started it. Sometimes other people would start, and I would just, you know, add to it or give my own opinion. And yeah, my opinion wasn't always like everything is sunshine and rainbows. I would be critical of the show, just the way I'm critical of it when we discuss things here on my listen, you know? And um, after a while, like several months, if not, I don't remember the exact time. I might have been a year later. I get a... Uh, I do this in the chat. I'm talking to a, b a bunch of other people about something that got me upset in Merlin. And then I receive a, pr a private message from someone who was like, Hey, Momo, by the way, um, you make people unhappy if you talk about this, so maybe stop. <laughs> it, it wasn't the exact thing that was said, but that's basically the message I received. Like, that was the subtext of the whole thing. You're making people unhappy because... You're being critical of the show, so stop doing it. Yeah. And it wasn't even this person who was being unhappy about it. Like, they didn't say, it makes me unhappy. It was like, I heard from other people. Like, they didn't even say who it was. Yeah. It was just other people have mentioned to me that it bothers them when you talk about these things in here. So it'd be great if you could stop. And I was like, all right, then I'll stop. And I have stopped, like, I was really upset about this. And then mm. I stopped. And then other people, not me, other people started conversations in the same vein. And I very deliberately either left the conversation by accident, accident the chat, or I didn't say anything. Or if someone outright asked the entire group what they were thinking, I was like, I'm sorry, I was asked not to be critical of the show in this chat, so I shan't say anything. And I'm just like, I understand safe spaces, but then you have to communicate this openly in the beginning. Like, the only rules that I remember from this chat were, like, be nice to people and be aware that there's adult content being discussed in here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it didn't say anywhere, don't be critical of the show. And it's just... <sighs> It just bothers me that we're apparently not allowed in uh, <laughs> public or whatever to voice our opinions and that people are apparently so upset about this that they won't even come forward themselves. Like, I, I still don't understand why these people couldn't just come to me directly and say, hey, Momo, um, I understand that this is how you process things, but... Uh, for this or that reason, it makes me uncomfortable when you talk about, like, 
that's fine, you know, if, if discussion of, I don't know, how abusive Arthur can be towards Merlin upsets you because whatever reason you have, then that's okay. Just, I can't read minds. And yeah. I, I should be allowed to voice my own opinion about these fictional characters. And your opinion isn't, and, and like, I think this is the underlying point here is that none of what we're talking about are opinions that would be considered offensive. They're just not your opinion. And so that is where I think people really like need to get a grip and just be a bit like, you know, me and Momo, for example, are not endorsing anything in whatever chat we have or don't have on on the podcast or otherwise about things that are endorsing racism or homophobia or sexism or anything that should not be endorsed. We're just having an unpopular opinion. And I feel people react to us like pe people react to these things that, like you should like, yeah, like don't talk about that or move on because this is like, you know, as if it's something really bad when it's yeah, not that's the, that's the thing we are actually the ones pointing out the sexism and the racism and the ableism and whatever other ism like that's the problem we are actually pointing these things out we are making like that's what i was doing in this chat i was making people aware of merlin being sexist i'd like to show being sexist i was making people aware of merlin and arthur's dynamic on the show not actually being as romantic as fanfic would have us believe that's what i was doing i was just saying what is actually there in the in the source material i wasn't saying anything that was like you know disparaging of gwen because of her skin color or anything like that i wasn't doing that i was just pointing out listen I have observed that there aren't many female characters on this show, or I have observed that Arthur actually is a dick towards Merlin. Yeah. What do you think about that? They didn't like it, apparently. <laughs> no, because how dare I fuck with the Phantom OTP? And, like, I completely, like, get what you're saying about, like, safe spaces, but what I really yeah. find frustrating is, like, and, you know, like... And obviously, like, me and Momo have discussed this privately, so she knows what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to get into specifics. But I was in a situation where uh, there was a conversation going on where something was brought up about something uh, specific in the Merlin fandom. And I responded to this conversation with a genuine question to start a genuine discourse because I... I just wanted to get other people's opinions on said thing. Um, you know, let's just say that said thing was, you know, um, oh... Um, uh, pears aren't very nice you know let's say that that was the, the topic of conversation and I was just like oh okay um I don't know I feel like perhaps you know some people don't like pears because of this and this reason but other people might have had a really good experience with pears and like what do you guys think about that and it was literally like that like a completely grown-up conversation that a woman of 25 is able to have with other adults apparently not because as soon as I post like as soon as I said that thing I was basically in so many words told that the conversation was over and that like you know this isn't a suitable topic of discussion that pairs aren't a suitable topic for discussion and I was just a bit like wow like it wasn't even there was not nothing controversial about the topic like that like the way I said it, it was just like 
pairs were such a taboo thing to be talking about that they were like we don't want to talk about pairs at all in case there are people in this conversation who are so immature that they can't have a normal discourse which i find pathetic like i really really do like not to defend this in any way but like i am trying to you know to understand where other people are coming from when things like this happen like with the with the thing that happened to me in this in this chat group like i uh, i do understand that some of the people in this chat group just were uncomfortable by topics like some of the topics i brought up because uh they they didn't actually want to think critically about merlin which is their right they don't have to think about it critically just because i do just because that's how i process things it doesn't mean that they have to do this and they might prefer to be in their bubble but like I'm trying to think of people's history with the thing and like that's yeah, the thing I know, you don't I know. know you I mean it might be possible that in this conversation you know pairs was actually a problem that had like like a, a topic that had caused problems yeah, I know, in I know. in a in a group of people in the past and that's why discussion of pairs uh, would not be supported in this specific uh, group of people yeah. because of past history. The problem here is you don't know that. That, that do you like? Yeah. It was just yeah. said that uh, you know this topic won't be discussed ever, and uh, there was no explanation for why it wouldn't be discussed ever. Yeah. Like if exactly. the explanation had been that you know due to personal experience with the discussion of pairs leading to really bad, you know, really bad ship wars or whatever problems, uh, please understand that in this specific group of people, pairs should not be, should not be discussed at this level or mm. whatever, then, then I would, been, would have been fine. But without any sort of explanation, like even a vague one, like yeah. nobody's asking for your personal <laughs> history... Like, I I would never ask a person for their personal history as to why I can't discuss abusive dynamics in front of them because yeah. I don't need to hear their personal history to understand that it makes them uncomfortable. But I would just like to to have this reason just to it makes me personally uncomfortable. Please discuss, don't discuss it in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I don't like I said I don't need personal history or any any in depth reason. Just you know tell me that it's a problem for you don't make me feel like voicing my opinion is a super big crime that i should not have committed ever mm. like but that is becoming an issue now and like i honestly feel like it's not you know for me it's not even an issue of like oh this one thing is really bad for me it's like it's not just pears it's apples it's oranges it's strawberries it's all this fucking stuff that now is a thing of like well you know god forbid like and it gets to a point where to be honest with you i don't really want to talk to people like i talk to people privately but on tumblr on god knows what else i won't say things or ask people things that you know um even mildly on the scale of oh this isn't fluffy and gorgeous and nice because i'm just sick and tired of it being treated like this is a like this is just a a group of people discussing a lot of different things and it's like i don't want to feel like it's a minefield because some people can't control themselves yeah i mean to be fair from what i'm observing 
is that I don't think this is even just a Merlin Fenom problem. No, it is this not. Is, this is a, a an every that's this is an internet problem. Let's be real, and it it is it's, a problem. Yeah. It is a problem because of the whole purity culture bullshit. Yeah, uh, where you can't, where you're not allowed to ship problematic things, where you're not allowed to write about certain topics, because obviously, if you write about rape happening, then you want rape happening, or whatever this bullshit narrative is that that these purity culture warriors uh, want to perpetuate. It's that's the problem here. That you know. Everything has to be nice. Everything has to be perfect. Nothing, like, because if I imply that not everything about the Merlin, like, even not just imply, if I say that not everything about Merlin and Arthur's relationship in canon is good and pure, that by extension would mean if you ship Merlin and Arthur, you are not good and pure. And I think that's where it's coming from. And that's just the biggest bullshit on the planet. Exactly. Just because something is not perfect in canon, but just because something is, you know, uh, actually really dysfunctional in canon, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to like it for your own personal reason. It does not mean that just because you like a dysfunctional ship that you are dysfunctional or that you want your relationships to be dysfunctional. That does not mean it at all. People deal with different difficult topics in their own way. And it's to and just to to shut down all conversation about these things is actually achieving the opposite of what the purity culture warriors want to achieve. Exactly. And it's not even just that. It's like, you know, you said, oh, you know, um, I was in this chat and like, you know, I said this thing and, you know, had someone come to me and said, well, this makes me unhappy. And in my head, I'm even like, you know, if I am in a situation where people are discussing something around me that I don't particularly like, I would never, like me, as Roxanne, me as an individual, go up to them and say, do you know what? I would, for my sake, you, uh, unless it's something that's psychologically triggering, which I'm sorry, but I really refuse to believe that that is the case for the majority of the cases we're talking about here. Um, it's just that people are getting into arguments. Um like, I would never go up to someone and say, could you please stop talking about this because I just don't like it on a personal level. Like, people are allowed in public, whether it's on the Internet or not, to discuss whatever they want in whatever vein they want to do it, unless they are personally offending someone and being, like, actively rude to an individual. And I think that this is the biggest issue we have right now. Like, you know, we like I don't like Arwen like at all I am allowed to say that and I'm allowed to talk about it that way if I so please because it's not something that I like there are many things that I do like which I talk about very very nicely and there are many things that I feel meh about and I feel like even for us on the podcast we've gotten into situations where we've been like you know kind of not like you know actively yelled at in person but been you know kind of made to feel bad about you know that we on our own podcast that we spend a lot of time doing if we really don't like something can't just say you know what I fucking hate that and I just find that really annoying like you know I Momo really really doesn't like Gwen Slot like she can say was, it to me I was about to bring it up I was like, like I'm she can to... say that to me and it had that honestly I have not had one person come to me 
and be, you know, mean to me because I like, because I said that I don't like Lancelot or because I said I don't like Gwencelot. Like, I have had zero issues with saying that. Like, no one has come after me. But the moment we even so much as hint at the fact that Rox doesn't like Arwen or that I'm super indifferent towards it, it's, uh, we're, you know, we're being the, we're being the bad guys, which I just, it's a, it's a bit of a detour, but like, um, the Arwen shippers cry about how their ship is a rare pair, which Rox and I disagree it's on not. for, for, for several reasons. But like, if you needed any more proof that Arwen actually isn't a rare pair is that Arwen has enough people to come after us if we so much as hint at negativity about the ship, while Gwencelot, which is an actual rare bear in the Merlin fandom, <laughs> doesn't care whether I or say or not that I don't like Gwencelot. Exactly. It's like, and it's not, and I'm talking about, like, you know, if I say something negative, I then have to, like back it up with but it's only the writing like, it's that kind of stuff like i cannot just say exactly what i think about something that yeah. isn't even I real mean, to and, be fair in, in the case of arwen you do not like it because of how it was written on the show yeah but i also just don't think they have any chemistry yeah, and i really don't I like them together and i don't need to <laughs> like, i just feel like that's okay and honestly like i don't know like I feel like maybe just because I'm getting older and like these things, like these things would have really bothered me when I was younger. And this is why I'm saying like, I feel like this is a young person thing. Although I think there are people in the family who are older and should know better who still behave this way. But this is the kind of stuff I would have been doing when I was 17, getting really personally offended if people didn't like my thing, because you don't know any better. And now that I'm, uh, you know, an actual person who is, you know, 25 years of age and is able to understand, I will go and find people to talk to who enjoy the same things as me and if I want a nice healthy debate then I'll talk to people who don't like the same things as me but if someone like if I see something in tags where like you know, oh someone doesn't like my thing you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna x out of that tag and I'm gonna go into a tag that has things in it that make me feel positive things or if I'm in a chat with someone who is talking about something I don't really like and I don't want to get involved in it you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go and look at another app that is is how healthy people behave so i'm just like i really i'm finding it hard to understand how grown people can actually uh, feel so much rage towards people who are talking about something that yeah fine is is dear to them but then just don't listen don't read it don't look at it do you know what i mean like just why so I feel like we, I mean, I think this entire section is going to get a shitload of backlash and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. let's, like, end it, let's end it on something uh, positive. Yeah. Um, also entirely subjective, but like for you, what was your most rewarding fandom experience in 2018? Um, probably the last day of Coin-A-Lot when um, we were doing all of the knighting ceremonies and then Tracheon came to us with 
the bag of notes. Oh, God. The bag and, of notes. The, the and, bag that made us cry. Well, basically what happened, guys, was uh, Trakion got up and gave us this uh, gift bag, like a present bag. And she says to us, this is full of, like, you know, notes and kind of, you know, and just uh, things people have said, uh, uh, which I think we did in Coinlot 2016, actually. But I, it kind of, like, you made it was like... Card. In 2016, yeah, you made yeah. Trakion and me a ginormous card. That was it. And, like, uh, it kind of overwhelmed me at first. And then when she said, and people have put some money in there, um, that I kind of lost it. Like, I, I actually started to cry in public. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't think people expected that of me because I'm very much, like, you know, not, yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah, you're not a public crier. Which is weird because I used to be before um before I hardened up a bit in my in my old age. <laughs> I would just I would just cry like you you didn't know me back then. Like I would just cry in front of anyone, but now no, I would I like... made at at the at that day I made the mistake of like later after the convention was officially over, I made the mistake of sitting down in the conference room and started reading some of the messages. And I got, I think, as far as reading two or three of them. And that's when I had to stop and go outside to cry a little bit myself. <laughs> okay. And then we read them together in the hotel room the next day. And um, cried some more, basically. <laughs> and um, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a very nice moment. That, that was, was my most rewarding fandom experience. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, like Merlin fandom experience, right? <laughs> Not yeah, like yeah, general. Merlin, obviously, yeah. Merlin fandom experience. Okay. Um, so, Momo, what was your most rewarding uh, fandom experience of the last year? Uh, well, reading the notes is a very close second, honestly. But I think, uh, and I know this sounds sort of self-serving and cheesy, but honestly the feedback we've been getting from Melissa and like doing this podcast, receiving the feedback and finding out how many people listen to this podcast and how much they enjoy it. That has been amazing for me. Like I won't lie at the, like I think sometime halfway through 2018, I was about ready to just stop doing the podcast because I was overwhelmed with, work for everything in the fandom and I was like something has got to give and I was about ready to stop doing this podcast but then I pushed through and we've been receiving amazing feedback over the last couple of months and I'm I'm so glad I didn't give up because that has been really really great oh <laughs> sweet so, so yeah um oh that's made me really happy <laughs> um, like we said guys like we don't hate this fandom it's just like some of you need to calm down <laughs> like, that's all we're saying. don't um, get your pennies in a twist and uh after that very interesting discussion between myself and momo uh, i think we're probably going to call it a day here for this episode guys because we have 
a lot to discuss apparently we didn't think it was going to go on for that long and we still have the Q&A to come so we're going to split this episode into two and you're going to have a bonus episode that will come in a week's time not in two weeks it will come in the interim where you can listen to the Q&A and myself and Momo will be answering some questions uh, but until then we hope you enjoyed our fandom recap and until next time I've been Miss Snowfox and I've been Momotastic bye Bye.